Welcome to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. It's the time of the year to put on your beaded cap and walk across the stage to accept the document that proves you completed what your school asked of you. It might also be the time to remind school administrators that wearing your beaded cap to graduation is more important than they realize. For family members, graduation is a proud moment that comes with a little anxiety about the change that is about to happen in their graduate's life. Today we're taking time to recognize this year's class of 2022. Join us right after the news. This is National Native News. I'm Art Hughes, in for Antonia Gonzalez. A First Nation in Western Canada says it's looking into the deaths of more than 200 children who never came home from a residential school. As Dan Karpinchuk reports, one researcher calls the former school the most horrific in Canada. Eric Large is the lead investigator. He began his work earlier this year into the former Blue Quills Residential School near St. Paul, Alberta. Large began looking at burial records in February and says there are about 215 children between the ages of 6 and 11 who died but whose remains were never accounted for. It can be safely stated that in our community of 12,000 people, each family has had four to five children who went missing from this institution. Large says the number of missing children is extensive. He says the former school was rife with violence, illness, starvation, abuse and death. A counselor for the Saddle Lake Cree Nation says a partial skeleton of a child was discovered when he was helping to dig new graves in the local cemetery, but there was no marking to suggest there was a grave there. He wants the federal government in Ottawa to help pay for ground-penetrating radar so that a more thorough investigation of the school site can take place. He also wants a community wellness plan created to help people deal with the trauma. The finding at the former residential school comes almost a year since a First Nation in British Columbia confirmed, through ground-penetrating radar, that 215 possible unmarked graves were found at the site of another Indian residential school. For National Native News, I'm Dan Karpinchuk. Meanwhile, Indigenous leaders in Canada met with Prince Charles as he wrapped up his tour of the country. They're requesting a royal apology for the abuses from residential schools. The BBC reports Assembly of First Nations National Chief Roseanne Archibald appealed directly to the heir to the British throne at a reception in Ottawa. Charles earlier briefly acknowledged the country's past abuses of Indigenous people. He said it's important to come to terms with the darker and more difficult aspects of the past. A series of discoveries identified the remains of hundreds of people, presumably children, buried in unmarked graves on the grounds of former residential schools. Charles said he looks forward to the process of reconciliation in the country, a process he called vital. The U.S. federal government is preparing to return nearly 12,000 acres of land to the Leech Lake Band of Ojibwe. The land has been in dispute since 1948, when the Bureau of Indian Affairs followed through on an errant order to sell the land without consent from its owners. More than 19,000 acres of land was sold off over the next decade. The band has been working ever since to have it returned. Minnesota Public Radio reports the county's official stance to work collaboratively with the tribe helped bring about a positive outcome. The Metropolitan State University of Denver will provide Native students waivers for tuition and fees. The college averages anywhere from 70 to 100 Native students a year. The free tuition program is expected to cost about $200,000 in its first year. 
The move follows action by the state legislature last fall to offer in-state tuition to any student that belongs to a federally recognized tribe with historical ties to Colorado. MSU's action is part of a minor trend. In April, the University of California system announced tuition waivers for any state resident belonging to a federally recognized tribe. The policy applies to all of the schools in the UC system for undergraduate and graduate students. And Oregon is launching a program to cover tuition, housing, and books for members of the state's nine federally recognized tribes seeking to go to one of the state's public institutions. With National Native News, I'm Art Hughes. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by the Native American Disability Law Center, a non-for-profit 501c3 at 800-862-7271 or nativedisabilitylaw.org. Support for law and justice-related programming provided by Hobbs, Strauss, Dean & Walker, a national law firm dedicated to promoting and defending tribal rights for nearly 40 years. More information available at HobbsStrauss.com. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. Welcome to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. It's graduation season again, and we want to recognize the efforts of our Native students on the program today. Parents, grandparents, aunties, and uncles will all be packing auditoriums to watch their students accept their diplomas. Students will also don regalia, eagle feathers, and beadwork for commencement exercises, and the annual fight to wear regalia continues for some Native students. Two Native graduating seniors had to remind administrators at a high school in Wichita, Kansas, about a state law that protects students' rights to wear regalia. We'll hear about that coming up as well. We also want to hear from you today. Are you a teacher, a parent, a friend that wants to give a shout out to a Native student? Today we've made a space for you on the airwaves to do just that. Or are you a student who is marking this educational milestone? We want to hear from you too. Join the conversation at one 800 Nine nine six two eight four eight, and please call now so we can be sure to get your comments on the air. Joining us today from Wichita, Kansas, is Representative Ponca Wee Victors Kozad. She is a Kansas State Legislator representing District One Hundred Three. She is Ponca and Tahana Otham. Representative Victors Kozad, welcome to Native America Calling. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's really good to have you on the show. Excited to learn more about some of these doings there in Kansas. Also joining us from Anaktovik Pass, Alaska, is Louisa Kakainak Riley. She is an Inupiaq language teacher and mentor for Nunumate Schools. She is Inupiaq. Welcome to Native America Calling as well, Louisa. Good morning, everyone. Louisa, please feel free to further introduce yourself and your native language. Uh, 
for that very, very warm welcome from Alaska. I understand that you had a graduation ceremony last night in your community. Can you tell us more about it? Yes, we did. Uh, we have we had one uh, graduate from the high school, and uh, it was a, a real uh, warm and uh, it's uh, warm fuzzies uh, all around and two watch him walk up there and get his diploma and staying through the whole thing. So that was a great awesomeness. We had eight, uh, eight graders that got promoted and eight kindergarten students. And I want to shout out to all the teachers and the staff, the parents, the aunts, the uncles, and all of them for doing a great job and keep it up. All righty. Well, we wish all of the students in your community a very, very hearty congratulations. Representative Victor Kozad, let's talk more about this recent event in Kansas. Two high school students were not allowed to wear beaded mortarboards with eagle feathers during a graduation ceremony. Can you explain exactly what happened there? Well, I wasn't present, but from what I heard, um, the students... Um, parents had contacted me during the graduation and I was at another meeting and they had asked, didn't you pass a law that allowed us to wear our eagle feathers and our regalia um, to graduations? And I said, yeah, I passed that law four years ago, back in 2018. They said, well, the school is not letting our students wear their um, eagle feathers or their caps that they had beaded for them. And I was just, I was shocked. <laughs> I mean, this was four years ago that I passed this law. And what also I was embarrassed about was that this was the high school that I graduated from. 
And so I had told them, you know, no, put, tell them to put their caps back on. And um, they didn't get that opportunity, you know, with graduation moving so fast and or the ceremony. And unfortunately, they, they wasn't able to have that experience. So, oh, um, okay. Yeah. So you mentioned um, you, uh, you know, you were the lead sponsor of this regalia bill that passed, what I understand, bipartisan support back in 2018. So why was it ignored at this high school last week? Um, I have no idea. My job is just to pass legislation, pass laws. Um, that's a lot of work. My job is not to enforce them. That's up to the schools to enforce them and add them into their graduation policies. And unfortunately, that wasn't done. Um, so this is nothing, you know, new, like just passed last year. This passed four years ago. So they had four years to add this new policy into their graduation um, plans, and they didn't do that. They didn't update that, or they didn't care to ask. If they didn't know about my law that passed, then somebody from the school district should have asked me. Yeah, most certainly. And I know that the school district did issue an apology. They said it was it was a, a misinterpretation of that law. They promised that they will do better. Are you confident going forward that you're not going to have more of these incidents in Kansas schools where Native students are denied their right to wear their regalia? I feel like this is just going to be like an on, like ongoing struggle. It's like every year, and not only this is not the only incident, but every year I've had parents ahead of time had warned, you know, the school that they was going to, you know, uh, beat their caps or where they, and it just turned into this big, ugly thing. Um, and I've had to contact different schools in Kansas and say, no, wait a minute, this is a law. You can't, if you, if you don't let them wear their caps or their eagle feathers, you're breaking the law. And so right away, it's like, oh, you know, I don't want to break the law. So um, but, you know, we're just going to have to keep fighting for our right until this isn't an issue anymore. Um, but I had a solution to this problem four years ago, and it was totally ignored. Yeah, it sounds like it. And I, I'm interested to know what's being done in terms of awareness and education within these schools and these communities to ensure that an incident like this doesn't happen again. I mean, this is a law that is now four years old. This just doesn't seem like it should be happening every year as you describe it. Yeah, and you know, I wish that these schools would put some faith in their students. If their Native American students are saying, no, this is, I, I'm able to wear this. This is my tribal regalia. This is my 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 family, you know, my tribal designs, my ceremonial designs put on this cap or my eagle feathers, then they should have some faith in that. They should have their faith in the students as well. But the students were totally ignored. You know, if I come in with my tribal regalia, I'm not going to stand there and argue with somebody and saying, oh, well, that doesn't look like a tribal regalia to me. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? <laughs> yeah, There's enough of that. Yeah, don't stand there and judge if you have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, certainly. We've got a caller on the line listening in on KGLP in Gallup, New Mexico. Arnold, Arnold, thanks for calling in today. 
Thanks for having me, Sean. How is everybody doing? Congratulations on the show. Thank you, Arnold. We're doing great. Celebrating graduation. We're learning about a recent incident in Kansas. I understand you are a high school teacher. What's going on there at Gallup Central High School? Yes, indeed. I'm a financial literacy teacher here at Gallup Central High School, and we are looking forward to our graduation uh, Saturday morning at 10 a.m. at the big stadium here in town. And uh, just wanted to send a shout out to all the graduates who have come through so much difficulty in the past couple years. This is a very special graduating class, uh, like they all are, uh, but we've gone through some extra special stuff these past couple years, uh, like everyone else, and I just wanted to send a hearty congratulations to the students and their families, as well as to all the faculty and staff from Gallup-McKinley County Schools. Arnold, thank you for those warm wishes to your students and other students there in the Gallup-McKinley County School District. And certainly, I would imagine now that uh, we're getting through this pandemic and we're back to in-person events that a lot of families are really looking forward to being able to celebrate graduation ceremonies this year in person, in style. Folks, if you've got a question or a comment, 1-800-996-2848 again. Give a shout out to a graduate. I'm your host, Sean Spruce. We're going to be back right after this break. Attention deficit disorder is highly treatable, but it's often difficult to diagnose, and racial and cultural factors can make that even more problematic. We'll talk about what ADHD looks like, it's more than just a lack of focus, and we'll hear about the most up-to-date information on recognizing and treating it among Native Americans. That's on the next Native America Calling. Mesa Lands Community College can help you lead the way in your chosen field. At Mesa Lands, where one in three students is Native American, you get hands-on opportunities working one-on-one with instructors in wind energy, where students grow up the turbine in their first semester, silversmithing with access to the largest foundry in the Southwest, and blacksmithing in the cowboy arts. Mesa Lands has a national top 10 rodeo team, too. Info and applications at mesalands.edu. Mesa Lands Community College supports this program. You're listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We're talking about graduation today. If you are graduating or know someone graduating, please call in. Tell us about the highs and lows of your academic years. If you're an educator, tell us about your school year or about a student you're especially proud of. Join our conversation today, 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. And before we went to break, we were talking with state Kansas State Representative Punkawee Victor's Kozad, and she was explaining an unfortunate incident that occurred in Kansas last week in which a couple of high school students were denied their right to wear their native regalia at their commencement exercise. Representative Victor's Kozad, why is it important for native students to be able to wear cultural attire and objects of cultural significance at graduation ceremonies? Well, um, it's important because it's who we are. I always say when I wear my native clothes to the Capitol to get sworn in every 
every term, I say, this is my best suit. It's the best that we have. It's who we are as Native people, and it's important to be proud of that and acknowledge that. And uh, a lot of our, uh, some of our students, unfortunately, deal with, um, you know, in their teens, they deal with um, their identity and, and you know, uh, figuring out who they are and whatnot. And, um, you know, for a Native student to want to showcase their, their Native culture and who they are, I, I commend them for that, you know, um, for not forgetting for who they are and, and where we come from. And, um, I'm excited, and I think that is something that should be celebrated. And, and you know, um, it's a big honor to graduate, and a lot of students receive eagle feathers or their eagle plumes um, during this time of celebration. And so that should be showcased and, 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 uh, and uh, highlighted, you know, and um, schools should uh, embrace that as well. Yeah, they certainly should. And what has been the reaction from Native people in Kansas over this recent incident? Appalled, because within our Native American community in Kansas, we all knew this was a law. And we celebrated this law four years ago um, at the Capitol. And um, the uh, my colleagues, it was... Uh, it was a uh, crazy because they had no idea what I was talking about when I first introduced this legislation. And when I said, no, this is a real problem every year, every graduation, there's always some problem with, you know, you have to dress this way. You have to, you can't do this to your cap. You can't wear that, you know, blah, blah, blah. And all these restrictions and, you know, like a native student would, would come to me and say, Hey, I want to wear my tribal dress or I want to wear this, or I want to wear my Eagle feathers, you know, that was passed down to me and whatnot. And it was like a hassle every year. Um, so I said, you know what, let's just make it a law. <laughs> um, because that's what I am a lawmaker. And so I had a lot of students come to the Capitol to testify. And a lot of my colleagues are appalled. Like, I can't believe this is an issue. You know, this shouldn't be an issue. This should be very simple. And I said, no, some schools make it hard every year. And so, um, you know, then, like I said, it, it flew through the House and the Senate to the governor's desk. It was signed by a Republican governor then. Um, and so, you know, and it was celebrated when, when it was passed into law, and that was four years ago. So now that when this happened, the Native American community was shaken. They were, they were appalled. They were mad for those students that they had to endure this, not because, you know, a school rejected, you know, who they are as Native people, but, you know, there's still trauma there going back to boarding schools um, when when um, they wasn't allowed to be who they are, they were punished for being who they are as Native people and showcasing mm -hmm. their Native heritage. Right, right. So these other schools, I, I, again, I just am really curious as to what their reasoning is. What is the logic behind telling a Native high school senior, hey, you can't wear your, your beaded mortarboard, no eagle feather, no tribal regalia, wear your cap and gown, that's the only way you're going to be able to accept your diploma. Any insights as to what their, what their reasoning is? I think it's, you know, trying to make everybody fall in line with their policies. But evidently, their policies are um, outdated. 
And so um, they, you know, I think they want everybody to, you know, be the same, but we're not. We're not all the same. And somebody had asked me, well, does this law protect like other races like African-American or you know, the Hispanic community. And I said, no, I said, this is just the law for the Native American students because I can only, I can only speak from experience. And this was my experience growing up when I would wear, or my nephews or whoever in our family would, would wear eagle feathers or, um, you know, my brother, you know, graduated and he wore his otter cap. He chose not to wear his, um, his hat, his graduation hat, you know, like we already know it's going to be an uphill battle and it shouldn't be like that because there's a law already in place to protect them. Yeah. Yeah. That's what's just so alarming here. Is that this law, and it's not a new law at this point, four years. We've got another caller listening in Gallup again, Gallup, New Mexico on KGLP. Michaela, thanks for calling Native America calling. Hi. Hi, Michaela. Hello, I understand you're a graduate. You I, I'm doing well. I understand you are a graduating senior. Congratulations. Yes, I am. Thank you. Well, tell us, what are you excited about to be graduating? Um, you know, um, to get done with the four years and to uh, start my life with college and everything afterwards and to pretty much begin my new journey. And do you know where you're going to be going to college next fall? Um, yes, the University of Albuquerque. Well, sorry, congratulations. University of New Mexico in Albuquerque, sorry. Gotcha. UNM Albuquerque campus. So you'll be you'll be moving to Albuquerque and you'll be staying in the dorms. Are you excited for campus life there at UNM? Yes, I am. I'm excited to uh see all the different cultures that I can um learn about and uh, just the different uh, activities that will be going on there as well. And any thought as to what you're going to major in or what topics you're interested in studying next year? Um, I want to major in nursing. Um, so that's my top goal is to major in nursing there. Well, Michaela, we wish you all of the best success moving forward at Negrant. Congratulations on graduating high school. Thank you for calling in to Native America Calling today. Uh, Representative Victor Skozad, do you know any students graduating this year? Um, yeah, I know a few. One of I want to give a shout out to my good friend Danny Medicineberg. He's graduating. He graduated already um, from the University of Central Oklahoma with his master's in public health, I believe. So I want to give a shout out to him and also to all the graduates in Kansas. I'm very proud of you. Any words of advice for those graduating students there in Kansas and throughout Native America? Yes, just, um, you know, embrace it and celebrate and be happy. I was fortunate to graduate last year with my doctorate's degree and I'm still celebrating. <laughs> so be happy and, and proud. Um, and I'm also, you know, congratulations to all the families as well. Representative Victor Skozet, thank you again for coming on the show today. I know you're busy. I know you've got a, a busy day ahead of you. So again, really appreciate you taking the time. Let's bring our teacher, Louisa, in Alaska, back into our conversation. Louisa, 
you've been teaching a long time, I understand. About how many years have you been a teacher there in Alaska? Hello, Louisa, are we there? Looks like maybe we lost Louisa there. Representative Victor's Kozad, are you still there? Okay, well, we are talking about graduation today. And if you have a relative, if you have somebody you want to give a shout out to, please feel free. In fact, I have a really good friend up in Four Corners and his son is graduating from high school this year. In fact, next week, his name is Ryland Dakota Kellywood, and he will be graduating from Kirtland Central High School up there in Four Corners. So I want to give a shout out to Ryland Kellywood. Congratulations, Ryland. I still remember when you were just a young, young kid, and here you are already a high school senior getting ready to set the world on fire. We've got a caller, Mike, listening in Buffalo Springs, New Mexico on KGLP. Mike, you're on the air. Uh, good morning. Uh, I just wanted to comment. I'm listening, and I keep hearing the issue of regalia. And that's always been an issue. And uh, my comment on that is that it's just another era of the continuance of the boarding school and the and the things that were put on us since the day after the 1870 wars ended and the boarding school era kicked in is that we're still today, even today, white men and white society still telling us what we can and cannot wear how we speak and how we conduct ourselves. All of those negatives have never gone away and my way of looking at it, it'll never get a go away. But I congratulate all the graduates on the Navajo Nation and all the other Indian tribes, especially uh, my hometown chapter of Tehachi, New Mexico, where all, I wish all the graduates the best. That's my comments. Thank you. Mike, thanks for calling in and sharing those warm words for our Native graduates. Representative Victor's Kozad, uh, Mike feels very strongly, you know, uh, as do you do, as do you as with regard to these issues and, and some of these students that are being denied their rights in Kansas to wear their regalia. But what about other states? Are you familiar with similar battles going on with your fellow legislators in other parts of the country? Oh, definitely. Um, and I know that some other legislators have also reached out to me. They've asked me how I passed this law um, and how I got it done. And they've even, some even, I've offered my language um, of the bill to them. So we all work together through different networks like the um, National um, Native American Caucus of State Legislators, and we all meet. These are things that we talk about because, unfortunately, if it happens in one state, it's happening all over Indian country. It's just not something that's, you know, happening in, in a particular state only. Yeah, certainly. And another thing I wanted to ask you about, another unfortunate incident that we've learned about, a Kansas lawmaker made some offensive remarks towards you not that long ago. Can you explain exactly what happened? Yeah, I was um, proceeding over the House of Representatives, um, and he, I had hit my gavel because I couldn't hear 
the legislators that were at the well. And when I had hit my gavel, he was at the well at that time, Representative Wheeler, and he had said that, um, asked if my, or something about um, my gavel being a tomahawk. And so it's been, yeah, it's been a crazy session. So unfortunately that occurred um, when I was in the chair and I was the first, I was making history because I was the first Native American woman to ever preside um, over the House of Representatives like that. So it was a big honor. My family was there and, you know, and when that happened, you know, um, I was just, I couldn't believe, well, I can believe it, but I just wasn't prepared um, because it's such, it's a live mic and, and it, recorded and I cannot believe that somebody would say that, you know, on a live mic. Yeah, I can't either. And what's been the fallout? Has that uh legislator have has that person been held accountable? Um, no. <laughs> um, it was like crickets when that happened to me. He did try to do an apology to me, but I didn't accept it because he should know how to conduct himself. Um, and, and that wasn't the only incident that happened in Kansas. There was a Kansas um, Education Commissioner, Randy Watson, who made another racist comment um, um, during a conference. And he was talking, um, uh, comparing Native Americans to um, uh, raids, to, uh, to tornadoes in Kansas. Those are things you have to be um, aware of or, or something of that sort. And so it's, you know, it's been a very busy session for me as far as, um, you know, dealing with all these issues. And I just, you know, we need to hold our uh, elected officials accountable for what they say and and how what how they talk about us. And so it's been a busy session and, and I'm just not, I'm done with accepting apologies. They should know how to conduct themselves. Yeah, they certainly should. And I, I know that you've got uh, another representative, there's another native representative there in this Kansas state legislator, Christina Hasswood. And uh, I, I know you two work very closely together in addressing a lot of these issues. And, and we all wish you well going forward and your wonderful role models for Native America. And uh, we really appreciate all that you do in, in fighting that good fight on behalf of, of all of our Native people. Thank Louisa. Thank you so much. Absolutely, absolutely. Louisa, are you there? Yes, I am. Can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear. I'm, I'm so glad you're back. I know Alaska's a long ways, and sometimes we have a little bit of technical trouble when we connect. So I was asking you uh, before we went to break, how long have you been teaching now there in your community? Um, I started in 1970, 1971, while we were still um, under uh, the BIA. Um, so we were uh, needing a three, four-year-old and a kindergarten. So it's been that long. And then in between, I worked in a city where we um, we developed a Alaska room in Fairbanks, Alaska. And then just recently, I just came back here eight years ago and uh, uh, to be the mentor for uh, our Ninamut uh, dialect. Um, and I've always in, been involved in that, uh, interpreting, uh, translating, transcribing. So I've always 
done that for all my life, I guess. <laughs> Born, bred, <laughs> and de- delivered. <laughs> well, 1970, so more than half a century you have been a teacher and serving your community and inspiring and educating Native youth. And that is just wonderful to hear. Listeners, if you've got a question, if you want to give a shout out to a Native grad, 1-800-996-2848. That is the number, 1-800-996-2848. We want to hear from all of Native America today. Again, we're celebrating the class of 2022. I'm your host, Sean Spruce. We'll be back right after this short break. Program support by Amerind. For 35 years, Indian country has put its trust in Amerind, providing insurance coverage, strengthening Native American communities, protecting tribal sovereignty, and keeping dollars in Indian country are Amerind's priorities. More information on property, liability, workers' compensation, and commercial auto needs at Amerind.com. That's A-M-E-R-I-N-D.com. Thank you for tuning in to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Still time to join our conversation about graduation today. If you want to give a shout out to a Native graduate, give us a call. We're at 1-800-996-2848. And we are speaking with teacher Louisa Riley. She has been a teacher in Anoktavik Pass, Alaska for more than 50 years. Louisa, I understand you've retired a few times. What keeps you coming back into the classroom even after retirement? Uh, uh, the chilling, and it's uh, one of the things that, uh, okay, I've had it. I'm getting too old for this, but I still have um, visions with the, the kiddos in my sleep, and they're speaking in my in our language, and and they say they beg me to come back, so I keep coming back <laughs> to. Uh, and plus, you know, that's my passion for the children to learn their language because my generation was never allowed to do that. And to bring it back and watching the kiddos and uh, learning the language and learning about their history and all that stuff is so uh, healing to me as a survivor. So, and it's also, you know, just to watch them, the pride that, they get back because they're able to speak their language and know their uh, their history, their culture, and it just. Um, I keep telling them that you know I'm going to be chasing you guys, even on a wheelchair, and encouraging you, and that <laughs> to be proud of who you are and all that stuff. So, um, make them motivated and excited, you know. I can see you wheeling around in that wheelchair, keeping keeping tabs on your students. Louisa, language revitalization programs, they're challenging, and many communities have, have struggled with programs to, to reintroduce native languages. But yours, I understand, has been very successful. What's your secret? 
uh, just keep it, keep it, never give up. Don't ever give up, you know. The fight never stop, stops. And to have two representatives is the most exciting, and it really vi- revitalized me as an elder. Yes, we need our people to be involved and learning and doing because we know who we are. And and that's really important, so we could start healing and um, and the people that come in, you know, especially our educators or whoever they are in what capacity they are in, to come in with an open mind, to be open and learning our languages. You know, it's just like when I went to Norway, I learned to say thank you. And, you know, the basic, at least the basic uh, for uh, the people that become our allies to help um, motivate and heal and decolonize. Um, You know, there's just lots of ways that we can heal as uh, uh, survivors and that generational drama and so on and so forth. The more we learn our language, the more we learn our culture, the more we we learn our history, the better productive, um, positive um, member of our each of our community. And always remember, it's a we thing, it's not an I thing. In, in especially in our culture, we work together. It takes the whole village to raise a child and see the product and the pride we have in our community when they graduate and we wish them the best, you know, whatever mm-hmm. they decide to do. Sure, absolutely. We've got another caller, Gilbert, listening online in Farmington, New Mexico. Gilbert, you're on the air. Hello, um, I'm just happy for my granddaughter. We ended up going to Albuquerque over the weekend, this past weekend, and uh, they're at Tangley Coliseum. It's just a wonderful graduation ceremony for them. About 400 kids, so uh, that's quite a bit. And um, she's going to go on into nursing. Her dad was saying, oh, she's going to go to engineering. The older brother's an engineer down in Las Cruces. But she has her own mind, so she said, um, I want to go into nursing and, you know, help people so I'm, i was really proud of her that's uh, my input gilbert thanks for calling in and this is your granddaughter so she'll be at unm next year then is that the plan oh they're uh state they're they're we're uh unm people but um that bunch is uh state they uh they, they, they love the dad was wearing uh his state's uh shirt so, also. So she- so she'll be going to school down in Las Cruces then at New yes, Mexico yes, State. Yes, okay. All right. Well, we wish your granddaughter and your whole family well, and thank you for calling in. Another caller is listening online in Las Vegas. Lynette, you're on the air. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. And yes, I'm in Las Vegas, but I'm originally from Sitka, Alaska. And my granddaughter has autism. She graduated May 16th with the help of my cousin, Benjamin Mayasato in Sitka. He has been teaching her all along life skills, and she graduated May 16th. I am so proud of her, and she's done well. I don't know what she'll do in life, but I'm wishing her all the best. 
and our family is wishing her that too. Thank you very much to Ray McCallahan. Well, we wish her well. And Lynette, you're in Las Vegas, Nevada. Is that right, Nevada? Yes. Um, I didn't know when she was going to graduate till two weeks before that happened. And we had already scheduled a trip over here. So I'm kind of sad, you know, that I wasn't there. But my heart was there. I understand. So you're just visiting Las Vegas, and then you'll be heading back to Sitka after your vacation, right? No, I'll be heading back home to Anchorage, Alaska. In June, it will be 40 years I've been a cab driver in Anchorage, Alaska. Oh, okay. You live in Anchorage. Thanks so much for calling in, Lynette. And again, best of luck and warm wishes to your family as well. Louisa, so more representation from Alaska on the show, graduates in Alaska. Louisa, over 50 years in the classroom, has your teaching style, your approach changed over the years as you see these new generations of students coming up, native kids, our communities changing? Have you had to change your approach? Um, not really. Um, I've stayed true to the uh, traditional way of teaching. Um, we were uh, taught traditionally to look as an educator or somebody you're mentoring that you look for the strength of that child, the character of that child, and the strength of that child, and you build that child up to become whatever that child decides to do. And so um, the first uh, three years that I taught, we were taught how to teach the Western way of um, uh, educating. And so when I started the, um, the language uh, and be, uh, doing that, you know that it's no-brainer. It's the easiest thing because it's my first language. And once you become um, excited with the kids and uh, make it fun for them to learn, uh, the outcome is the most uh, uh, gratitude that you're going to get for the hard work that you do. Louisa, I'm interested in learning what your experience was during the pandemic. And as a teacher, did you learn or become aware of anything you didn't know before about teaching just because of the pandemic? I think um, because we didn't know um, about this pandemic when we first learned that we have to shut the school down. So we're all panicked. You know, and how are we, and especially when you're trying to um, teach um, other languages, the face to face is the most important thing because we're very expressive people when we're uh, teaching our language. Uh, The computers and, you know, written stuff is okay. There is nothing. But if we have anywhere a fluent, speaking person, they need to be given um, all the support they need. And, you know, it is really sad. We do have leaders. We do have educators that that 
goes against the way because they're they it's a learned behavior that there's it's only black and white in educating the language it's never black and white there's all different ways that you have to approach them to understand the language by expression and stuff like that so it was a it was a um mentally spiritually physically emotionally it was so draining to try to continue and nobody to teach us how to do it you know because we were so mm-hmm. programmed into having these kiddos face to face you know the importance to be there because you're going to be hearing the language and you're going to be learning about you know the language and their history and so on and so forth so it was really whew, i'm just glad it's over we're open back and having that face to face and the mentor she's i think we all all would agree with that for sure listeners there's still time to give a shout out to a native grad 1-800-996-2848 that's 1-800-996-2848 louisa are are there unique challenges to teaching in alaska I'm, i'm thinking of teachers in other parts of the country that might not understand what it's like there teaching in a remote village there in Alaska, a native village. How's that different than, than say, somebody teaching in a, in a, in a large city or even a, a native community down in the lower 48 somewhere? Well, I think the unique thing about Alaska, a lot of the, the places, it's the weather. You know, the mother nature is number one. You know, um, we have um, nine months out of the year, uh, eight months, you know, it's usually during this uh, education, uh, Western education time that we become accustomed to where there is so much darkness. The other is that you will not be able to get fresh vegetables or uh, eggs or stuff like that as often because we depend on the weather for the, the planes and to come in and bringing those things in. So uh, that, that it's a whole different way of living. And for a lot of the teachers, that is, especially when they come from a different area and they never experienced it before, um, they really have it rough. You know, so uh, most of the time, whenever I can, um, I try to welcome them and give them the, uh, you know, heads up. Uh, But when they do come into our villages, it is totally different. And um, especially if they are, don't have an open mind to be willing to um, be part of the community and so those two are the most, uh, I think, the darkness and the weather and the isolation, I think, is the, the closest I could come up in English that really wears on him. And, you know, we don't we don't get as much support and so on and so forth, you know, so uh, we're it. We're here. <laughs> and we... We learn to uh, support each other, um, mm-hmm. and so those are some of the things that they really need to. And to, uh, it doesn't matter uh, to take the time and have that willingness to adapt 
to your environment. Mm-hmm. Or that's some of the things that I think that are really important. And to um, research, you know, just uh, Google. It's amazing compared to uh, no uh, media communication. Now we just press a button and and you and I are able to talk to each other. So uh, <laughs> networking, you know, that's yeah. just to me, it's still like magic. You know, we could do yeah. Zoom in, you know. It really you know, is. It really it's is. Amazing. Yeah, certainly. Representative Victor Kozad, I know you're still on on the call as well. And here we are listening to Louisa Riley and just such an inspiring individual, a teacher. And Representative, how important is it that as Native people, we support our Native teachers, such as Louisa Riley and the many others serving in communities all over Native America? Oh, it's very important. Um, they are preparing and teaching our future leaders. Um, and so I put all my faith and I commend um, our Native teachers. I know we have some in Can- great uh, Native teachers in Kansas as well. And um, I'm always trying to, you know, see how we can support them. And it's, it's important that we support them. And, and um, you know, I'm pretty sure that they have um, made, they make a lot of sacrifices in order to teach our children. And so I commend them on that as well and their families. Um, I'm pretty sure they, they see their their parents or their mother or dad or um, or grandparents, uh, you know, preparing. And, um, you know, I commend the families of teachers as well. Today, we have been celebrating and honoring Native graduates across Native America and communities far and wide. We pay them tribute We're so happy that we had so many callers on the show today from different parts of Native America. Wonderful guests. We have now reached the end of the hour. So thank you to Representative Ponkawi, Victor's Kozad, and Louisa Riley as we recognize and again pay tribute to high school, college, and graduate students across Native America. The graduating class of 2022, we salute you here on Native America Calling. Join us again tomorrow for a conversation about Adult Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, also known as ADHD. We'll learn about the symptoms, diagnosis, and treatment on the next Native America Calling. Until then, I'm Sean Spruce. Thank you for listening. Support by the American Indian College Fund. The American Indian College Fund provides millions of dollars of scholarships to thousands of Native students every year. Tribal citizens of every age and experience are eligible. The deadline for applications is May 31st, and you can find everything you need to apply at collegefund.org. That's collegefund.org, or by phone at 800-766-FUND. Education is the answer. First baby, don't know where to start, CMS program coverage, prenatal service. Enroll today. Contact your local Indian health care provider for more information. Visit healthcare.gov or call 1-800-318-2596. A message from Center for Medicare and Medicaid Service. 
Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kwanak Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davis. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.